Hi, I'm Elizabeth. I'm here with Shane. We're going to be doing a podcast called... This is a podcast. We're not gonna. We're doing it. This is it. (laughs) Okay. This is Theology on Tape. Welcome. Tell us about yourself, Shane. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I'm a PhD student in theology. I'm finishing my doctoral dissertation this year. Uh, So yeah, a lifelong study, a lifelong student of religion and theology and a convert to Roman Catholicism and currently working as a confirmation coordinator. And that's how I got to know you. That's right. Yeah, this is my my first year teaching catechism, but I have so many questions. I grew up Catholic. I know the simple prayers, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really trying to grow my faith and Shane has been an awesome resource. I turned to him for a lot of the questions I have, and I thought this might be a helpful way for anyone listening to learn more about our faith. Yeah, that's the idea, right? Is that this can be a resource for people who are interested in learning more about their faith, sharing their faith. Maybe you're a catechist, or maybe you're just someone who wants to dig a little bit deeper. Maybe it's been years or decades since you yourself were in a catechism class so this is a chance to update and refresh and remember and maybe even learn something new along the way cool so we're gonna start each episode we're going to try to incorporate a prayer a different prayer this week we have a prayer that i really like called thanksgiving and praise so ready to begin yeah let's do it all right in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen, amen. Father, I rejoice in your love for me. You thought of me and so love the idea of me that you created me. Each moment you are at work, loving me into existence. Thank you, Father, for accepting me as I am and for the special gifts I have received from you this day. Amen. Amen. So the first topic we're going to talk about is... The existence of God. Something really light, really like yeah. <laughs> a really easy topic to jump into. But obviously, logically, is a place to begin. It's where Aquinas begins with the Summa. Um, does God exist or not? Actually, to be fair, Aquinas doesn't begin with the existence of God. He begins with revelation. But we're beginning with the existence of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fundamental question. Because if the answer is no, then all the other questions after this become moot. Okay, so, yeah, answer that question for me. (laughs) Does God exist? Yeah. Okay. And how do you know? Oh, (laughs) now. Okay, before... This is is the takeaway. So, we've just begun, but already here's here's the most important takeaway point. When you think about the question of does God exist or not, which I hope we've all wrestled with that question. My fear, honestly, my fear is that too many people have not adequately wrestled with the question. And maybe they think that because they've never struggled with the question of God's existence, that that's a good thing. It means that they have strong faith. It's possible, but I'm also worried about it. And here's why. The more fundamental question than does God exist or not is what do we mean by God? Mm-hmm. So there may be somebody out there who has never doubted that God exists 
But because they've never asked the more fundamental question of what do we mean by God, the God that they believe in might actually be, I don't know, how would you say it? A, a, a skewed or incorrect or in some way defective view of God. And, and in that case, it needs to be corrected. It needs to be purified to use Aquinas' language. So that's what we're going to be doing today, I hope, is, as Aquinas would put it, purifying our concept of God. Because before you can answer the question of whether or not God exists, you have to answer the question, what do you mean by God? Because that will entirely determine the answer, right? Yeah, I like that. So we're purifying our idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. Help me purify. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, I think that the, the common understanding of God, the popular understanding of God, by the way, by both theists and atheists, is that you, we imagine God as a being who lives somewhere beyond the stars. And yeah, so atheists... He's got a long beard. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we can all think of that kind of stereotypical image of God. And that's mm -hmm. what I, I usually like to ask people that question of like, what does God look like? And you were starting to say it, but what's, what do you think, how would most people answer that question? What does God look like? Late seventies, <laughs> got a beard, long hair, uh, kind face. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even the idea of like Greek. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's a good point is that we have sort of modeled our, our imagination of God is like Zeus, right? Right. Yeah. We God. Zeus is what God looks like. But here, I mean, that should be a good warning to us that we have kind of adopted this polytheistic... Now, okay, we believe there's only one God, mm -hmm. but the God that we believe in is actually quite like the sort of Greek pantheon. Somebody who lives way up there and is watching down on us. Mm -hmm. That is not at all the god of the catholic tradition the god of the church fathers the god of thomas aquinas when you have like jesus seated at the right hand of the father and um our father up in heaven um and you think of heaven or, well i don't know you think of heaven but people think of heaven as this gilded beautiful white pure place and it just seemed like um, yeah, where Zeus is, just like... Yeah, yeah, and, and this is something that Aquinas and, again, the whole kind of Catholic tradition wants to remind us of is that the language that the Bible uses about God and about heaven and things like that are necessarily non-literal because God is so far beyond what we can imagine that, but we are imaginative creatures, right? This is something that Aquinas talks about a lot, which is that we are sensory creatures. We only know things because we know them through our five senses. But God can't be known through the five senses. So what do we do? Well, we have to then take what we know 
And we have to imagine a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So we think about God as having a right hand. <laughs> mm. And we think of God seated on a throne. And so we imagine God in this way and we portray God in this way because we don't have it we don't have another option. But we have to remember that when we talk about the right hand of God, that that's not an actual spatial place or the throne of God is not like a visible tangible thing that if you got in a spaceship, you could travel to where God's throne room is. Mm -hmm. No. It's way beyond all of that. So the reason why this is so important is that we as believers, we're giving all of the ammunition to the atheists because we're representing God in overly simplistic terms. And the God that we are claiming to believe in, the God that we're describing is kind of a straw man. It's really easy for them to knock down because we have an overly simplistic picture of God. And so most, and I say this seriously, most of the atheists out there, and I'm including the, you know, the big name people, people like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, these people who have sort of made a name for debunking God, the God that they're debunking is not the God of, say, Thomas Aquinas. It's not the God of Catholic theology. It's an overly simplistic, overly physical picture of God as, as they sort of dismissively refer to it as a space wizard. Mm -hmm. The bearded being that lives in the stars. The sky wizard. Sky wizard, yeah, yeah. Who does magic. That's the kind of cheeky language that they use. But let's be honest, I don't necessarily blame them when they do that because many theists, many people who believe in God, they do talk about God that way. They do imagine God that way. So if we are going to equip ourselves against atheism, we have to go back to the sources and realize that the God that is described in the Catholic theological tradition is actually much more complicated and sophisticated. So we have to get to that more fundamental question of what do you mean by God? And only then can we answer whether or not God exists. So it's, it's back to... What, what is God? Then that's the real question. That's the question we have to ask first before we can ask... Uh, does God exist? We have to ask, what, what do we mean by God? What is God? For that, we say, well, just like we say in the creed, I believe in God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. That's the starting point. The starting point for what we say and what we believe about God is that God is the creator. This is what everyone can and should know about God because it doesn't require any special revelation. Mm -hmm. Special revelation means like God coming down and showing you something or telling you something that you couldn't otherwise have known. But the fact that God is the creator is something that, according to the Bible, everyone should know. And this is the argument that Paul makes in Romans chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 
is that all people, even though God cannot be seen, God is not a visible being, he is immortal, invisible, but he can be known through what he has made. So here, St. Paul in Romans chapter 1 is introducing the fundamental distinction of the question, what is God? There's a distinction between the creator, the one who gives being to everything, and the creature. That's everything else. So we have to stop imagining God as a kind of creature, as a kind of being, and realize that God is outside of the category. He's beyond everything that we know as creatures. God is not a creature. Now, because everything that we know is a creature, meaning you and me, this table, the chairs, the cars outside, the dogs and the trees and the moon and the stars, all of those are creatures because all of those things have been created. But God is not any of those things. God is the creator. But it's all because everything that we know is a creature, it's always our temptation to worship creatures. And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 1, is that we want to image God as some kind of creature, as a four-legged beast, he says, or as a crawling thing, or even as a man. We want to imagine God even as a man, because at least then that's something that we can imagine. It's something we can get our heads around. So think about the whole history of human religion, and what do we worship? People from all different cultures all over the world, they worship gods. They worship different animals. They worship the sun, the moon, the stars. They worship people. They worship political leaders. Everyone's trying to worship God, but God is always beyond what they can see or imagine. And so they fall into idolatry because they want to worship the creature rather than the creator. Hmm. That's what Paul's trying to get us to change our perspective. That God is not any one of these things. God is not a being, but something else. So God is creator. Is he also creation? That's a good question. Um, so no, God is not, okay, let's, let's, let's jump into it further then. So God is the, the definition that Aquinas, for instance, will give for God. God is, he says in Latin, ipsum esse per se subsistence. That means being itself subsisting through itself. That's a fancy way of saying God is not a being. God is being. Okay. God does not have existence. God is existence. You and I have existence, right? We used to not exist. Now we do. So the idea of you and whether or not you exist is an open question, right? Like I can imagine a human being that doesn't exist. Now I've got two piles in front of me. One is a group of human beings that exist like you and me. Mm-hmm. And another is a group of human beings that don't exist, like Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent. Okay. Existence is something that we have. Existence is not something that God has as if it could be taken away from him or given to him. That's what it means to be a creature. What it means to be a creature is that existence has been given to you. 
But God was never given existence. He is existence. And that's a weird thing to say. I get that. It's not easy to put our minds around that, but that's the point, is that God is not simply, God is not simply something out there that may or may not exist. So as soon as we ask that question of, does God exist? The way I like to put it is it's like asking the question, is water wet? You might say yes, but usually when we say something is wet, we mean that it has water in it, right? Like a towel can be wet. My clothes can be wet. Mm-hmm. What do I mean when I say that? Well, it means that water is on them or in them. So is water wet? Well, water sort of is wetness itself. Got it. <laughs> and it's the same thing with God and the question of existence. God doesn't exist. Like I exist, you exist, the table exists, and... God is also a thing that exists. No, no. God is existence. Meaning that God is what makes me exist and you exist and the table exist. He's the cause behind all of those things. He's not one of the things. Just like you could say water is what makes things wet, but it itself, like the towel is wet, my clothes are wet, my hair is wet. Water is what makes them wet. It's not itself a wet thing. Right. Is that, is that helpful? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So if God is the creator of our existence and is existence, what, is, what does that mean? Yeah, so what does it mean when we say God is our cause or God is our creator? Again, Aquinas has a really, really interesting answer to this. He explains that creation is not an event. Creation is not something that happened once upon a time, as if at the beginning of time, God created everything, and then it just kind of goes off on its own. And maybe God intervenes here and there, etc. No, no, no. God, Aquinas says, creation is not an event, but a relationship. Creation is the relationship between God and creatures, between creator and creatures. Because God doesn't just give you existence and then you can just sort of walk away. Now I've got my existence and now I don't need anything more. No, at each and every moment, God is supplying you with existence. Okay. Because God is existence, right? So you can't leave God behind and still exist. God has to constantly and actively be holding you in existence. Otherwise, you would pop out of existence just like you came into existence. You would, you would, on the most fundamental level, disappear from reality if it wasn't for God actively willing you into existence at each and every moment. You have something that Acts of the Apostles, God is not far away from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Yeah, that's really the takeaway is that God is not something out there. God doesn't exist in heaven somewhere far beyond the Milky Way. No, God is, here's another line from Augustine. God, he says, is closer to me than I am to myself. Wow. Have you heard that before? No. It's beautiful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
because God is the very source of my being. God is what is in this very moment causing me to exist. Just like the water is what is causing something to be wet, right? So the towel can't say, oh, I don't need water. I can just be wet all, all on my own. No, right? You take the water away from the towel. It's not a wet towel anymore. You take God away from you. You don't exist anymore because God is existence. So God is not distant. As St. Paul says there in Acts 17, God is not far from any one of us because in him we live and move and have our being. We live in God. Not just you and I as Christians, as believers. Everything is in God. Because if it wasn't, it wouldn't exist. It wouldn't have existence. So it seems like a really kind of heady philosophical thing to talk about, oh, God is existence itself, and etc., etc. There's a lot of crazy kind of things that you can think about with that. But on a practical level, on a spiritual level, it's the idea that God is not far from any one of us, but God is actively willing each of us into existence at every moment. As your prayer said at the beginning, God is literally loving us into existence. So if you ever have those questions of like, well, I don't know if God, does God really know who I am? Is God paying attention to me? Does God love me? The question has no other answer. Of course God sees you and knows you and loves you. Because if God wasn't aware of you, if God wasn't deeply and intimately and personally concerned with you as an individual, you wouldn't exist. The very fact of your existence shows that God is at work. Again, I, I really have to emphasize that, that this is not something that's just passive of like, oh, like I can create a table and the table can then stand on its own. I can even die, right? I can disappear completely and that won't affect the table in the least. God is not that kind of creator. And that's what we've missed, I think, so often when we talk about God as creator. We think, oh yeah, God made me. God made me the way a carpenter makes a table. No, not at all. God didn't make you sometime in the past. God is here and now making you. So it's a different kind of way of thinking about God. It's not, a, it's not an event in the past. It's not a cause in the past. It's a cause of what's happening right here and right now. Yeah, it's really helpful. It brings him closer, especially when you're in that period of like desolation you feel like you are alone there's existential crises happening everywhere and without being too i don't want to say corny but like like what this gift of knowledge would give to people i know personally with like my like reason for my existence like I guess I don't need a reason for existence. I'm just existing. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is funny you mentioned the reason for existence um, because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that, right? Be but the fact that God not only made you in the past but is making you, it means that he does have a purpose for you. There is something for you to do, something for you to be because God hasn't given up on you. God, there is an end for you. There's a goal that he has for you, and he's holding you in existence. He's causing you to be because he's leading you towards that end. So 
this is a, a I, I think, such an essential tool for a couple things. One, as you said, for our own kind of spiritual well-being, that we realize that God is not a distant thing out there somewhere, but is, as St. Augustine says, he's closer to me than I am to myself. So there's that on the kind of spiritual level, existential level. But also then on the philosophical or this, even the scientific level, this totally reframes the question for the atheists who want to say, oh, we don't need, we don't need God to explain the universe because we've got the Big Bang and we've got evolution and whatever. Okay, yeah, fine. Aquinas even goes so far as to say, okay, I'm willing to, I'm willing to say maybe the universe didn't have a beginning. Now, of course, Aquinas believes that the universe did have a beginning because the Bible says so. But Aquinas says, even if the universe never had a beginning, it would still need a creator. Because it would still need an explanation for why do you exist right now? Not just how did you come into existence, but how are you staying in existence in this very moment? That requires a kind of causality that science doesn't explain. Science doesn't even attempt to explain because it's, it's beyond its, its purview. It's not a scientific question. It's a different kind of metaphysical question of the nature of existence. And it's, it's, what, it's what totally changes the question of God's existence. He's not just the first domino in a series of dominoes. He's what is causing us to be here and now. Everything we've said so far leaves a lot of questions still unanswered, obviously. And the atheist will usually come back and respond and say, okay, fine. Let's say God is existence itself. I can, maybe even they're, they're willing to concede that they can agree to that definition. But they'll say, that doesn't mean that God hears our prayers. That doesn't mean that God uh, is involved in our lives or that, or that God or that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, or that he... Yeah, all, of, all the other truths of the faith, they'll say, well, it doesn't prove that. Well, yeah, fine. It's not supposed to. We haven't gotten there yet. We've just laid the first brick, right? We're just beginning. So the other questions about, well, how does Jesus fit into this? How does the Holy Trinity fit into all of this? Um, the incarnation, all of these other things of... Okay, is God omniscient? Is God omnipotent? Uh, those are all questions that we can get to, but we've at least laid the foundation of clarifying what God is and what God isn't. So, for again, just to reiterate, for Catholic theology, for Thomas Aquinas, the Catechism, God is not a being. God is not a creature. God is not a body. God does not have a body. God is not a thing out there in the universe. Now, again, parenthetically, we have to say, later we'll talk about the fact that God takes on a human nature, but that's secondary. But when we're talking about God as such, God is, as the Bible says, immortal, invisible. He's beyond what we can think or imagine. As God says to Moses in the burning bush, when he says, okay, uh, you're telling me to go to the Israelites and, you know, that, that God is saying, let my people go. 
who should I say sent me? And what is God's answer? I am. I am. See, because God is not a particular thing. He doesn't say, I am this or I am that. I am, I am. God is existence itself, beyond what we can think or imagine. So all the other stuff, we'll get to that. But the first most important thing is laying that foundation, what God is. God is not a being, God is being itself. Wonderful. Okay, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, send them our way, leave a comment, and please subscribe.